Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We're here today to talk about kingdom builders. I want you to tell a person next to you, you're a kingdom builder. Tell them that. Make a declaration. Come on, that was, let's try again. Come on, say you're a kingdom builder. Let them know it. Yes, absolutely. So what does that mean? Well, we're, we're learning that. This is our third time around at Kingdom Builders, and I'm super excited about today. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. We're going to look at this. This, uh, this is our launching point for our series that we've been having called Master Plan. But wrapped up in that is right where we are. It's something called Kingdom Builders, our church family. Let me tell you this, and I want you to get this. This isn't an exaggeration. It's not an overstatement. It's not a cliche. What we do today, are you with me? What we do today is going to impact thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. I want you to think of that. Isn't that what you dream of when you get saved? Isn't that what your whole heart cried out? God, you've been so good to me. I'm so thankful. You've blessed me in such an amazing way. I want to share this. What we're going to do today is going to impact your life. It's going to impact the lives of people right here in North Alabama, right around us. And it's not going to stop till it reaches the, the... Every continent on this planet, literally. So what we're going to do today is an amazing thing. And I'm so excited and privileged that that we get to do this together. As we talk about kingdom builders as part of the master plan. I'm about to read Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And I want to make sure that I, I keep this fresh in front of you. So I want to maybe give you some different perspectives on how to look at these verses we're about to read. As you know, in Acts chapter 2... Uh, as we, beginning of the chapter, first few verses, uh, it's what's called the birthday of the church. What happened in the upper room, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There are very few things that are this universally accepted throughout all the stripes and brands and colors of Christianity. But universally, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, the Greek Orthodox, the Catholic Church, any Christian group on the planet will confirm and agree The birthday of the church, the beginning day of the church, was Acts chapter 2. That's where the church started. That's where it began. And so we we have the privilege of reading that incredible launch as the Holy Spirit came on the 120 disciples that were there. Immediately, as as, uh, Peter explained what was happening to the crowd, 3,000 more people got saved. And so we pick up the account right there. And here's what I want you to see. This immediate response of these first believers. How did they respond? What did it look like? What happened when God saved these people? What was the original church like in its origin, in its, its unique, pristine beginning? What do we see? Well, let's, let's look at this and, and begin reading in verse number 42. This, this is, let me say this, what we're about to read, this is what it looks like when Jesus' prayer is answered. The disciples of Jesus teach us how to pray. He said, okay, begin and say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he said, as you pray, recognize God's your source and praise him. Come into his presence giving thanks. But the first thing you ask, if you pray like Jesus, if you pray like Jesus, the first thing you ask, let your, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just a saying, that's the prayer of Jesus. That's what God wants to do. And so what we see as we look at these verses, what does it look like 
when Jesus' prayer began to be answered? What does it look like when God's kingdom comes to earth through his church? This is what it looks like. So let's read, beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The word devoted, let me, let me help us with life and everything you do. I want to share something with you. What you devote yourself to will impact your life. The things that are unimportant do not affect us. The things we give no time, energy, and ownership to have little impact on us. But the things you devote yourself to, what you devote yourself to, will shape your life. So it's a great opportunity to do some inventory. Immediately, the kingdom of God bursting through their lives, life bursting through them. They realize this energy, this life, this flow of the Holy Spirit, this incredible redemption has some direction. And they devoted themselves to those things. The teaching of the word, fellowship with each other, breaking bread together, and prayer. So what did that produce out of their devotion? Let's look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. Let me stop there for a minute. Let me ask you a question today. Pastor Josh asked us some questions. Let me ask you one. Everybody ready for this one? What, when did the church become boring? What happened? When did that start? When did Christians become, you know, when, when did church become a museum? <laughs> you know, where we just try to keep alive the memory of the past. Or, or, or when, when, did, when did the Christian life become boring? I remember, you know, shame on me, shame on somebody. I'll take my part of the blame. I remember as a young man growing up in church, incredible parents. I had the word taught me. I, 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 was, I, I was under conviction. God dealt with me during my rebellious prodigal season because I was, I was not willing to submit my heart to God. And I remember in trying to bargain with God like that's going to work, like I got anything he needs. Anybody ever, Can I help somebody here today? If you're bargaining with God, how can I say this nice I can't? You're crazy. Is that, okay, is that, how does that work? You don't have anything God needs. I mean, if you're going to bargain, you've got to have something of value. God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Like, really? He's been waiting on us to do that? Okay. So, so, but in my foolishness, I was bargaining with God, trying to get out, trying to move the conviction of my life. And I remember saying, God, okay, 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 God. When I get older, I'm going to serve you. Oh, what does that mean? Like, he's no fun? So while I'm young, I have to do what I want and have fun because if you're a Christian, it's blah. Okay, well, I'm saved. I'm, I'm not going to hell, but Jesus is boring. Don't look at me funny like that. So, so what happened? Why is that? When did we start living a brand of Christianity that causes young people to look at it and say, I don't want that? When, when, when did we start living a brand of Christianity that lost its all? Where, where we walked away and said, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I can't wait to get some more of this. That's, that's awesome. That's wonderful. It's, you know, that's what we need to consider. And, and I believe he's the same God today he's always been. Anybody agree with me on that? And so let's, let's believe God for awe, respect, amazement, wonder to come back in the lifestyle of believers today. Can anybody say amen with me on that? All right, so let's keep going. So everyone was filled with awe. What happened to them? Watch this. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Signs and wonders. And miracles were part of that church. Now, let me tell you, as a young Christian, 
as I was uh, called into the ministry, began to study and do theological training, I want to be honest with you, I had to wade my way through theological books disagreeing with what I just read to you. I had to wade my, through, wade my way through books like this thick. Nobody knows what a book is anymore. It's on here. They're in here, but they used to be printed. And some of them are like that. And I had to read those. And, and I'm reading these, and, and, and they said miracles ceased in the church. And that the Holy Spirit doesn't move in the same way today as he did as you read in Scripture. But my problem was, I read the theological books, and they said God doesn't do miracles. But I read my Bible, and it never said they stopped. So I had to make a choice. Which, where am I going to go with this? In fact, let, let, me, let me ask you a question, all right? Now listen, we're in church. You, you don't have to act spiritual. You don't need to impress me. You don't need to impress the people around you. But let me ask you a straight up honest question, all right? I want you to listen to what I'm saying. How many of you in this room today have received a healing in your own life? God's healed you. Wait, 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 wait. Thank you. That's good, but I'm going to get there. You or somebody in your family, listen, and it could be medically documented. I don't mean you had a headache and you felt better. I mean, you had a situation where God healed you. You or your family, that's it. And, and, and that's been the case. Let me see your hand. I want to see your hand. Put them down. Come on, let me try this again. That couldn't be true, okay? Because the theological book said it doesn't happen. Two-thirds of the church. Okay, I'm going to ask you that question one more time. Tell the truth. God's watching. How many of you in this room have been healed? It can be medically documented. You are a person in your family. The healing happened. I want to see your hand. Let's try it one more time. Look at this. Let's thank God first of all. Come on. Look at Joe standing. Thank God. So here's, I kind of believe what he did then. He's still doing today. It's still working. I mean, what do you say to that? Joe, you stood up. Stand up again right here. Joe Beggs. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, Joe. Listen, this guy, I just want to show you he's alive and well. Can stand up and sit down. Was it last year, Joe, when the diagnosis came? year and a half ago. I saw this man's x-rays and CAT scan. There was so much cancer in his chest and this area here. You know, it, it's a dark spot on those. I mean, it was almost completely black. And he's got, you, you probably got him on your phone, don't you? All right. So if you don't believe me or you're one of those things, nod, you just, okay, he's got it. He's got the, the before and after. This guy's x-rays now look like you're in mine. I mean, the power of God. He's not the only one. Did you see all these hands? We're talking documented God. So, so here's what we're doing. And I'm taking way too much time on this because I've got to get to my, something here. But I want you to see this was what it looks like. When the kingdom comes and the will of God starts happening on this earth. And the same God that did it then is our God today. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're, we're reading this. We're learning what we're saying. So, so we're reading. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now let's, let's move into this. Watch this. All the believers were together. There was, a, there was an uncommon supernatural unity. All the believers were together and, look at this, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Guys, that wasn't demanded. It wasn't forced. It wasn't religious. It was the natural response of lives that had been changed. We've been talking about this for the last couple of three weeks, what I call supernatural generosity. Stay with me. 
What, what makes a person come find a need in another person's life and say, I can help you with that? What makes a person sell property and say, I want to help you? How does that take place? What kind of love is this? What kind of unity is this? You cannot mandate this. You cannot manufacture that. You can't make that happen. Remember, I, I, early on, we went back and read earlier in this same chapter how these people gathered there were from over 30 different races, languages, and origins. They, they, they crossed every single line. Everything that culture says you can't do today, God began the church by doing that. Amen. Generosity. Where does generosity like this come from? Listen. It comes from the lives of people who have been so transformed by the power of Jesus Christ that we're not who we used to be. Can somebody say amen to that? Our gratitude for the grace of God has transformed us. We have received so much grace and goodness for him that we begin to realize, I can't keep this to myself. We begin to realize if God could forgive me, I can forgive you. If God was kind to me, I can be kind to you. If God was merciful to me, I can be merciful to you. It was an amazing generosity. And here's the wonderful thing. This is what Kingdom Builders is about. Kingdom Builders is how we fund our vision to impact the world. It's a tool to help us reach more people more quickly than we've ever done before. And I can tell you, it is working wonderfully. But these men and women whose lives were changed, who were the, were the founders of the church, who were generous, their generosity, get this, changed into what we call mission. They began to realize the heart of everything that's happened for us is that we met Christ. And the greatest gift we can give anyone around us and in this world is the same opportunity to do that. It transformed them. Let's, let's look at verse 46. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Generosity. People started being saved. Do you know what I find in the church? When we begin to become generous, people start being saved. It's amazing. Nicole, come here. I want you to join me real quickly. Uh, I want to give you a testimony. There are many testimonies. Come on up and join me. Uh, you know, this morning in our first service, listen to this. We had uh, one of our guys, James Hogan. You know James has been in the church. James said, Pastor, I want to give you a testimony about kingdom builders and tithing. He said, I've been tithing, giving to kingdom builders. And he said, uh, God has just blessed me as I'm learning to give. God's blessing and he said, boy, this must be the day, Pastor Josh, I didn't know, somebody gave him a blue truck. Well, James said, Pastor, I want you to know, someone gave me a car. He said, I've never had things like that happen to me. He said, but listen to this, and this is the thing. I've heard of God touching people's hearts to give cars, but the next thing I never heard. So God spoke to someone and said, hey, you need to bless James Hogan. He said, okay. And he said, so he said, Lord, he, he said, okay, I'm going to bless him. And the man said, as soon as he said yes to God and said, I'm going to bless him, he said, this is what I'm going to give him. And, the, and he said, as soon as I said, God, this is what I'm going to give him, the Holy Spirit said, times 10. I never heard that happen before. Listen, when God starts multiplying it back at you, come on, isn't that pretty good stuff? See, so Nicole was talking to me, Nicole and Joey uh, and you guys know our journey. We're going on. We're on a journey to see Phoenix 100% healed, 2020 vision healed and raised up for the glory of God. But it's, it's, it is a journey that we're in. And Nicole was just telling me this. She, she you know, w with the family schedule, what you guys are doing, and the intensity of 
of her care and the little ones and traveling back and forth, uh, not able to, you know, really have an income and a job outside the family. But you said you want to be part of Kingdom Builders. You didn't want because that's a myth. So tell me, what were you saying? So I was thinking about it, and before this, I made the pledge before this stuff happened with Phoenix, and it's when the little kids were 13 months to the day apart, so they required a whole lot of attention. But um, So I had a small income, but I really felt like I wanted to give and make it matter. And so I prayed and asked God, and the number he gave to me and what he spoke to Joey also confirmed it that was actually half of my income so I made the pledge and I was so excited and I think it started didn't we do it September three years ago so that would have been September before January of that following years when the stuff happened with Phoenix and so you know throughout the months as the time has passed God well, God's people have just blessed us so generously with Phoenix and us being able to have what we need her to have and when we need to have it. There's some very unique things with very unique prices that aren't on the insurance schedule. But um, there's been never a time where we had to cancel a surgery or reschedule something. And I've told dad and mom, you know, there's sometimes the giving comes like a flood, praise the Lord, and sometimes it's a little sprinkle. But there's been times where it was, I got that second check and was like, this is the exact amount of a surgery copay. She has surgery. I don't know what to do. Like, I really want to just give my kingdom builder gift, but I also, like, in practical speaking, what did you say? Math. Don't use your math. Use I said, prayer. don't just do the math, do the yeah. prayer. Yeah, so I kept my commitment to God first, gave the gave to kingdom builders, and there's been probably at least three times where the day of an appointment, somebody texted me and said, what time are you leaving? I got to come by and bring you something and brought money to me, to my door right before we left to go and do that. So there's never been a time he didn't show up. But I also, another part of it that was so important to me is there's been seasons of isolation. I told, you know, I say I've never been alone or lonely, but I have been isolated some with just having to stay with her and not being able to come out and do stuff and different things she's going through. But so even in a season of being isolated, it made me feel so much joy and purpose to be a part of something and be included in something when I felt secluded from life, you know, to be able to give and know that my gift was going all over the world and to see those little faces in every bag of, well, you're going to see it in a minute, sorry, but to see those little faces and those big eyes looking up, big brown eyes and, you know, them getting gifts and stuff, it makes me feel so, you know, just honored that I and humbled that I have still been able to give what my commitment was and be a part of that even in this season with Phoenix. And so, and last year we took a step of faith and we wanted to raise it because I felt like that was important. So we added $10 on (laughs) because I said, I'm just going to show the devil that we made it the first year. We're going to do it again the next year. So I just encourage you that if your math doesn't make sense, but your heart and your spirit is telling you something really clear, just take a step of faith and do it. And God will you know, let the floodgates open up and see what he can do for you in your life. So, Amen. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's just, it, it is amazing to see what God does and how he supplies and how he uses us to just give this love, this gospel around the world. You know, we have two, I'm, I'm thinking right now, and there may be more. I know two men that have come to me in our church in the last 30, 60 days that are now 
own their own businesses. Come on, entrepreneurs that have been wanting to do that and reach that place. Listen to this. One of these, one of these gentlemen, uh, his, first, his first experience, listen to this, with the business he owns, his first experience there coming out of a life, coming to Christ, having to, having to start all over again, he swept the uh, parking lot of a business he now owns. Now, let me tell you something. God is faithful, isn't he? Come on, tell me. Did I get it right? Stand up, Steve. Tell me. Here he is. Come on, say amen. Yeah, bless you. All right, Moran, stand up. Come on, do it, do it, do it, do it. Come on. Come on. Look at these business owners now. Come on, these guys making it happen. All right, praise God. <laughs> uh, there you go, number three. Come on. Uh, anybody else own their business that just has happened in the last year? Another business owner, another business. Yeah, Brian has started. That's right. Man, we pray. these entrepreneurs, is that amazing what God's doing? Yeah, Brian is a chemical engineer, but he got his own thing. He's been working, trying to help people. It's and uh, developing this. This I, I think, and you can. I'll give him a little PR. He has he has developed and is now uh, promoting selling the world's best insect repellent. Come on, here it is, and he's got it going, and he wants to bless uh, nations where children are having, uh, you know, with mosquitoes and these things, typhoid, diphtheria, these other things that are happening. Uh, so that what that's diphtheria is not it. What is it? Malaria. Thank you. I'm, you know, I, I'm the pray part. They're the other part. All right. So it's going good. God is faithful, isn't he? These are all new things that are happening. Not all are entrepreneurs. These are brand new ones. I believe that God is just looking for a place to show himself strong. He's the God who's able to step up and say, this is what I want to do. So, so, so let me say this. What happened? They began to share the gospel. They were generous in, in their love for God and their love for each other. And they did. We see that master plan. And as that happens, people get saved. People, life begin to change. See, see listen, here's the difference. And then I want to take you to another scripture. In our culture we're in today. And let me, listen to me. We're not fighting our culture. We're wanting to love our culture into the arms of Jesus. How many hear what I'm saying? We're, we're, we're not cultural cops. We're trying to bring men and women to Jesus. But in this culture we live in, this is basically what's happened. All our culture is doing now is defining the disease. What does that mean? Well, they'll tell you, this is what your problem is. This is your addiction. This is what you've got. This is what's going on in your life. There's no answers. They just define the disease and then put you together with other people dealing with the same issue and say, there you go. In other words, there's no answer where you just find someone else with the problem and you kind of huddle together and say, well, I'm not the only one. Man, that's a little solace, you know? But we don't just define the disease. We release the redemption out on this world. So we're saying whatever it is that has you, Jesus frees you. Amen? He's that kind of God. And that's what we do, and it spreads everywhere. So look at this. Go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Romans 10, 13. I want you to turn there with me. It's an amazing, amazing passage. I love this. Romans 10, 13. Have you found it? All right, I want you to see it. It's here on the screen if you need some help. Look at this. I love this. Watch the sequence of this. This is exciting for us, guys. What a privilege. Watch. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So who can be saved on this planet according to the word of God? Who can be saved? Anyone, everyone that does what? Calls on the name of the Lord. That's good news. But let's go to this next verse. How then can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? Okay, how can they call on somebody who don't believe in them? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? Watch this. 
And how can they hear? Don't go to the next verse. <laughs> how can they hear? I said, don't, don't. Back up. Stay on 14. Thank you. You're perfect. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Right? So we say, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord can be saved. Good. Good news. But how can they call on this name to be saved if they don't believe in him? Okay. Well, how do they believe in him? They've got to hear. And how do they hear so they can believe, so they can call? What? Someone has to preach to them. Now, usually we stop there. But let's go to the next verse because this is you and I. Watch this. And how can they preach unless they are sent? We're the senders. You understand? There we are. Watch. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So here's the deal. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But they cannot call on his name if they don't believe in him. And they can't believe in him unless they've heard about him. And they don't hear about him until someone preaches. But the process never starts till someone sends them. That's what Kingdom Builders is all about. Right here locally and around the world. But watch this. Amazing. This is how beautiful this is to God. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So think about this. The church is called what? The body of Christ? Right? And so we used to think about, well, the feet of those bringing the good news. Those are the missionaries, the preachers, the apostles, the people we're sending out. But wait a minute. If, if, if the body of Christ is a church, and it is, they're the mouthpiece. All right. So who are the feet? Yeah. Yeah. You and I. It's, watch this. Tell the truth. How many of you, don't raise your hand because we might think odd of you. All right. But how many of you think the most attractive part of your body is your foot. Tell the truth. Come on. You, you know how that goes. You hide them behind people and they, you know, and, and you go to the pedicure and, uh, and, 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 you know, you're, you, you're out there. And then here's how the church, you can get a gas. You know, what would you do right now? I said, okay, church, we're going to have an old-fashioned foot washing right now. Jerk those shoes and socks off right now. Your neighbor's going to grab a pan of water and we're going to wash your feet, your shoes, your feet. And you're like, dear God in heaven. You know how that goes. Here's the news. The, probably the most unattractive part of the body. Because then you hide, you cut your toenail, you know, you paint them. You, you look, you can put the paint on them, but it... Well, I'm sorry, it didn't change. What? Okay. So, so, <laughs> your feet are beautiful, honey. I, yeah, I mean, now, my wife's feet... She got it going on, I'm going to tell you. Head to toe. Ten star. Okay, so, so here we go. We understand that. But God says, look at this, in the body of Christ, the gospel coming to ears of people who've never heard it is so important to the heart of God that the cinders, the feet, the people that get them there, of all the parts of the body, God would recognize and we would celebrate. The mouthpiece, the prophet, the apostle speaking the word. God says, I'm looking at the feet that got them there. I call beautiful those of you that sent them there. I celebrate you that loved this and said, God, I want to be a part of it. I want to show you this video we just real quickly, just one song that, that last week we showed you. But what you didn't know is that all everything you see on this happened this year as a part of Kingdom Builder. Our partners around the world, the things we did locally, Jesus and his friends, uh, Serve the City, Pumps and Pearls, all of our outreaches, our worldwide partners. But I want you to see this. This is the heart of God. I want you to realize that people are whispering under their breath 
with their final energy, is there hope for me? That somebody, can they come find me? Wow, what a great year. Come on, let's thank God. You guys have done awesome. It's amazing. It matters what you're doing. It's working what we're doing. God is pleased. Let me show you this real quickly. Look all the way around the earth. These are not everything we do, but many of them. In Israel, we, we are there doing what the Scripture says. South Africa, Kenya, Brazil, Zambia, where, where Joel and Caitlin, right out of our church are there. Alyssa Sohn, uh, she's home on furlough now, getting ready to go back to her assignment. In Europe, we have Auburn University. Chi Alpha is a campus ministry on Auburn and at University of Alabama, Nepal, and uh, church development in, in Alaska, Indonesia, Spain. FAM sends mission trips groups to there, Eurasia, South Africa, Venezuela. We're there with our orphanage, Austria, the Los Angeles Dream Center, Paraguay, Ecuador, Africa, Mexico, Italy, light publishers for the world. Uh, that Pipkin is in India, Japan, our, our youth, our outreach to high schools in Alabama, France. John Williamson's a chaplain, professional athletes, retired missionaries we support. Uh, we plant, help plant churches in the state of Alabama. Our women's ministry through our, our uh, Valley Girls. The Foundry uh, is the recovery ministry we partner with, with Bill Hines. Calcutta, Calcutta, India, Mercy. Uh, Gateway Center for Women, Karen Wheaton Ministries, Outreach Ministries. I see Tom and Sue Ewing wave at us. Guys, right back here. Tom is the manager of Way FM Christian Station. How many of you love Christian music? Come on. Let's thank God. Thank you, guys. What a great ministry that you do. We're so thankful you're a part of Calvary. Jesus and his friends, our big outreach that we do with our Christmas production. Man, last, last week you guys took all those ornaments off that tree. Guess what? It's full again. What happened? We got hundreds of kids coming. Thank you for taking those. If you didn't get one, get one. Buy the gift. Don't wrap it. Just put the ornament on it. Bring it back. We can't wait. We're getting ready. Serve the city. Professional women. Pumps and pearls. Dream Center. Social media. Dream Center's in Decatur. Dream Center's in, in Lawrence County. It's amazing. We're thankful for all that God is doing. But I want to just take the last couple of minutes here. Listen to me closely. I very rarely read anything. It's a page. You want to read a page. But the message is so amazing. I want to make, for these last few minutes, it personal. The people we connect with. The ministries that we're privileged to be a part of. Let me give you this. You need to hear this. Some of the things we're going to read, you, you, you won't hear in church today. Because it's too real. Too heavy. Okay? You can handle it. I know you guys. This is from the executive director of Assemblies of God World Missions, who are our primary mission partner. His report I received this year. He says, The Apostle Paul said in relationship to the body of Christ, if one member suffers, all suffer together. We don't talk about suffering much in churches today. That's 1 Corinthians one twenty-six. He says, Many of us are familiar with the story of Adoniram Judson. Maybe you've never heard that name. You need to know that name. Adoniram Judson was the first Protestant missionary sent out from the United States, the very first one. His goal, shared with his young wife, was to go to India and preach the gospel to India, to the overwhelmingly large Hindu population there. Sad to say, he was prevented and prohibited from going into India as a missionary by the East India Company. Not the Indian people, not the Hindu people, the Westerners doing business in India who didn't want someone interfering with their profits. 
So because he was not allowed to come in, he felt directed to go to Burma, which is modern-day Myanmar, okay? His first and second wives died there. Several of his children died there. He was stricken with all kinds of physical issues. He was imprisoned and suffered for his faith. But through it all, he stayed faithful to his calling. One of the great missionary trips privilege I had, I, I've been in Burma. There's one flight in a day from somewhere in the world. Maybe it changed in the last few years. At that time, one flight a day. We flew in. We were able to go into, um, I can't even think of the capital city of Burma now. Regardless, we were there. They took us to a church. How rare is this to see where a whole nation first started with the gospel? And they took me in the old church, and there along one wall were 12 charcoal-sketched portraits. And I said, who are these? They said, those are the witnesses. I said, who are the witnesses? They said, those are the first 12 Christians in the whole nation of Burma. They were won by Donoram Judson, who stayed beyond all imagination. He translated the entire Bible into our language. And every Christian in this nation traces it to this. Now listen. I met a, a man there, a middle-aged man named Mel. His last name is Chit, C-H-I-T, shortened from the Burmese language. And this is his story in Burma, in this place where Donoram Judson planted the seed of the gospel. Mel tells us that almost 40 years ago when the communism invaded the land out of Burma, out of China, they took it over. And they told the few missionaries that were there, you have 30 days to leave or we will execute every one of you. So the missionaries gathered and began to pray. The work was just beginning in the nation, and, and they prepared to leave. And there was a young man named Mel Chit, who was in his barely 30 years old. And they said, God spoke to us, Mel, you're to lead the church. He said, I don't think I want to do that. They said, God told us you're the one. He said, I submit to the will of God. They laid their hands on him, prayed for him, and they left. There were about 100 churches that they gave this young man the responsibility for. You need to understand that in Burma during the communist reign there under the Chinese communists, that communism was so pervasive and intense. And pardon the graphic nature of what I'm about to tell you. But there are accounts of young adults bringing their aged parents into the square of the city. And in front of those watching, they would disembowel their own parents and wash their hands in their parents' blood and say, we have no one, no family but communism. That's what it was like in Burma. Mel was left in charge. For over 30 years, there was no way to have any knowledge of what was going on in Burma. No one knew. No one had any idea. Is he alive? Are there any Christians left? They were persecuted beyond imagination. Finally, as the Iron Curtain began to fall and communism recede, we were able to go back in. And to their delight, they found Mel. He was alive. And they said, Mel, did anybody make it? Did, did, did the church survive? I mean, this is the most radical brand of communism we've ever heard about. Are there any churches left? Mel, tell us. He said, well, there are not 100 churches. And they said, that's okay, Mel. How, how many have left? He said, well, there are not 100 churches. There are 1,000 churches. 1,000 right. churches. In the midst of things you can't imagine. But it was in that country, this is what Adoniram Judson, the first hero that went in, this is what his son 
said. He wrote this about his father. Success and suffering are vitally and organically linked. Listen to this statement. If you succeed without suffering, it is because someone suffered for you. If you suffer without succeeding, it is in order that someone may succeed after you. Today around the world, the church is suffering. We have a little idea of this in America. Franklin, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, stated that reports show that 215 million Christians experienced high or extreme levels of persecution last year. One writer puts the truth of persecution and suffering this way. The truth is two-thirds of the 2.3 billion Christians that live in the world today live in dangerous neighborhoods. They are often poor. They often belong to ethnic, linguistic, and cultural minorities. They live every day at great risk. In our Assemblies of God Fellowship of Missions, we find that, uh, you know, last year there was flooding in, in Africa, India, Bangladesh, and, 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 and you know how we were able to respond with Convoy of Hope. But then this year they say that, uh, and you know, last Easter, with coordinated efforts in Sri Lanka, 200 Christians were assassinated in their churches on Easter Sunday. This year, the shooting when the Simmons got pastor and his son, along with four others in a church service in Burkina Faso, brought international media attention. So, you know the ongoing economic crisis in Venezuela, but thank God, through our partners, we're there. This year, the crackdown on the growing and thriving Cuban church put believers who are already targeted even more in harm's way. Thank God we're there. This year, an AG missionary was arrested and detained for more than 30 days, and others have been forced to leave their countries. This year, the most populated country in the world is mounting a campaign of intimidation of our personnel that is unprecedented, but we're there. But there's good news. Are you with me? The churches of the Assemblies of God and around the world are persevering. They are growing. They are marching on. They are preaching the gospel. They are seeing healings, water baptisms, and spirit baptism. They are defying the gates of hell. Is anybody proud to be the feet of these men and women who do this kind of thing? And this is what our missionaries pledged in this statement. They said, with courage and boldness, we will establish the church among all people everywhere. We will do this by reaching, planting, training, serving. We will utilize every means. We will move forward with passion fervor and vision. We will persevere in spite of hostility, danger, and demonic strongholds. Jesus said, I will build my church, and we are fully committed to serve our Savior in the completion of his mission. We will establish the church among all peoples everywhere. No people group, no country, no language, no demonic stronghold, no man-made barriers can prevail. Jesus, build your church and use us to do it. Those are the people that we partner with every day, 24 hours a day. Have mercy. I don't know about you, but I am honored to be the feet of those kind of people. That's how we do what we do. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, as we kind of bring this to a close. 2 Corinthians 8, 1, as you're turning there, let me tell you about one more, one more partner that, that I met on this same journey. First in Burma, and then we went to Vietnam. We were given permission to come in. This was 15 years ago. Communism is still there, but it was extremely uh, intrusive and, and controlling at that time. I remember 
the plane we flew in on was stopped on the runway and a military vehicle came out and escorted us in. Once we reached the small terminal, I walked through a line of, of uh, uniformed military from Vietnam with AK-47s. Uh, and I walked through. I could touch them on both sides doing this. While I'm walking in the country, I'm filling out the visa because they let us in at the last minute. And there's a man walking behind me telling me what to write on the visa. So I'm writing down, and, and when it got to occupation, he said, don't put pastor. I said, well, you got any suggestions in? He said, put administrator. I said, okay. I said, gee. So he said, and he said, what's the nature of your visit? He said, don't tell him you're coming to preach. I said, well, I got a Bible in my suitcase, and I got something. So, you know, so then I said, he said, where will you be staying? He said, don't write down where you're going to be staying. I'm like, I'm lying to my teeth. Forgive me, Jesus. And I'm at their machine guns everywhere. He said, don't do that. They'll follow us. I said, okay, whatever. I mean, I'm in too far now. What am I going to do? Run back and get on the plane? I mean, I'm in. So I met a man named Paul I. Paul's about this tall. He's not an intimidating figure to look on the outside. He was a Buddhist priest who was saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit, called into ministry. He's a roaring lion for God. He's a leader of most of the churches in that nation. And they told him, stop preaching, stop preaching, stop starting these churches. And Paul just said, I have to obey God, I have to obey God. He'd been in prison three times. The last time he was in prison, here was their plan. We've got to do something to kill this man, but we don't want it to look like we did it. So they put him in the first prison, was a prison for the mentally insane. They were violent, very little supervision. They just kept him in the prison and put Paul in there. Guess what happened in that horrible place? After a few weeks and months, the favor of God was on him. And these men and women that struggled with this, this, this mental challenges, they loved him. And they're like, ah. Oh. So they moved him in another prison. This prison was, this second prison was for the serial killers and the murders and the rapists and the gang members. So they put him in that prison and Paul survives that. And they're like, what are we going to do? While he was in that prison to try to break him, they took him outside and put him in a cage. And he stayed like this. Here was the roof. Here were the walls. For three months, he never stood up. They slid his food under the door like a dog. Three months, couldn't break him. What do we do? We'll ruin his reputation. So if he had been away from his wife three years, they send him to an all-female prison. Drug addicts and prostitutes. As we sat at the table in Vietnam and listened to Paul, one of the pastors said, well, Paul, was that difficult? How did, what did you do in, with, with the temptation, with, with that scenario? He said, oh, it was hard for the first two weeks, but after that, I had the church started and everything was fine. Then I'll never forget that little man look at me across the table. He looked at us all in the eye. And it never went through his mind that it would be anything else. He said, oh, you, you would have done the same thing. That's Christianity there. That's Christianity. I could go on, but let's go to this. So what do we do? What do we do, guys, with such a privilege? I want you to get this blue card. If you don't have it right there, close your city on it. Right? There's one in your seat, one right by you. I want you to take this. I want you to hold this. I'm going to wrap this up. I've got to go very quick. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. 
2 Corinthians 8.1. I know your device timed out. Let's look at this. Look at this. How do we do this, Pastor? So I want to do something. I heard Nicole. I heard these testimonies. I want to help. I want to be the feed. I want to sin. Pastor, I, I, I want to do this. So watch this. Chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brethren, we want you to know about the grace that God's given the Macedonian churches. Look at these things. I love this. These terms don't go together in our mindset today. Watch. What did they do? In the midst of severe trial, they're overflowing joy. Did you know you can have joy in a trial? If Jesus is your Savior. And their extreme poverty, what? Welled up in rich generosity. Look at the two words. Back up. Go back to verse 2. Look, welled up. How do you have joy in trial? How are you generous in poverty? The Holy Spirit rises up inside of you. It's not a human thing. It's a supernatural. All right, go to the next verse. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their abilities. Hold there. How do you get beyond your ability? They gave on their own and then beyond their ability. What happens? Stay with me. What happens? Look at this. I told you three words. Plan, vision, dream. Three ways to do this. I've never done this kind of thing, Pastor. What do I do? One way is plan. You just do your math. You look at what you can afford. You put it down and that's your plan. But they said they were, did something beyond their ability. Nicole talked about it. Sometimes you only do the math and sometimes you need to do the prayer and the math. What they did was what we do here oftentimes is called a faith commitment. You pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? You're not just giving with your ability. You're giving with God's ability. And so sometimes you come to the place where you begin to realize, wait a minute. God, what do you want to do? What could you do through me? What if you and I became a partner? And I heard what God said and did that. That's beyond your ability. Entirely on their own. Let's look at verse number four real quickly. Look at this word. I think this is important. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of God's people. Look at verse 5. Here's the critical thing. Are you watching, guys? Look at this. And they exceeded our expectations. Why? They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us also. Go to verse 13 and 14 with me. You see, God's the source. They first gave themselves to God. That's how they were able to do this. Look at this. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Look at verse 14. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Here's what Paul taught us about these things. We're not talking about equal giving where I have to give what you gave. You understand? Let's match. Let's go. No, no. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal obedience. Every individual is an individual. Every person prays and says, God, what do you want me to do? It's about that. I want our worship team that's here and our exalters or our musicians to come, excuse me. And and I want you to take this card. We're going to pray. And I want you to simply, we'll fill it out in a moment. We're going to take these up. This is such a big thing. This is how we sin. It starts right here in North Alabama. It goes around the world. This is a one-year commitment. It's not forever. It's a one-year commitment. And on the bottom, we, we, we fill out what we feel God's directed us to do. He said, well, Pastor, why are we doing a card? Is somebody going to call me and keep up with me? No, no, no. This is between you and God. Well, why do we put it on a card? Because I trust you and I trust God. And I'm going to contact our partners as we go into this next year and say, guys, here's what we're going to do for you. Here's how we're going to operate. And the church as a whole, we operate by faith too. We've already, for this past year, I shared with you, our pledges were $200,000. We've given away $235,000. 
So we're, we're giving above and beyond. You understand? It's, we're, we're, we're hitting the marks. It's gone to where we pledged, over and above that. But this just helps me know where we are. So I want you to take this. God, what would be your will for me? Monthly, one time for this next year? What can I do? God, how can I be a part of this? Partner with guys like Mel Chit and Paul I. Send help where people are whispering under their breath. Does anybody care? Is there any hope? I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to take a moment. Just complete this card. Ushers, I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the front. Stand here with me. Because I really feel there's a direction for us to follow. We'll leave. We're almost done. You've been awesome. Thank you for letting me push over a little bit here. I want you to take this and pray. You know, this is really not a financial decision. It's a spiritual decision. It's an opportunity for God to use us to touch the world and for you and I to understand how to listen to the voice of God. It's really an opportunity for you and I to grow in faith. It's, it's, it's saying, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'm saying yes. And watching God move through your life. Watching God give you the joy of sharing. You know, last week I told you that we had the video of Joel and Caitlin Rath in Zambia right out of our church. Alyssa Sohn right out of our church. And God's calling others. We have another young lady in mission school now. I believe there are others in being called to do those things. And she shared the podcast. I said something last week along the lines. Hey, we got grandchildren in Zambia. Joel and Caitlin are our kids. And the people they went to Christ, that's the next generation. We got grandkids in Zambia. They played that podcast with that young Zambian pastor. He said, they call me their grandchildren? Yeah, Samuel, you're grandkids for all those people in Alabama. She said he was so proud. He walked around and said, man, I'm the grandchild of the church in Alabama. <laughs> Aren't we blessed? He's still trying to figure out why I said I look Zambian. He didn't get that part, all right? But on the inside, I do. On the inside, I'm every color. <laughs> you got me? This is the house, the heart. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.